0: Welcome to another collective conversation. I am your host, Mike Brewer, and we are joined by our, I really, our dear friend now, uh, Dom Beveridge, the principal at Twenty for Twenty. Dom, welcome to the show. Good to be back again, again and again and again. I, I think we were just discussing. This is your fourth time on the show.
1: There we go. What, what, what happens when I get five? Do I do I get some award or so?
0: just yeah when you write another 20 for 20 you come back on the show then we're going to have a plaque or or we're going to send you a watch
1: how about that
0: (laughs) well hey dom i so i very much look forward to the the paper that you author every year uh it's sort of a look back on the year prior and a look forward uh to the year to come and i think i'm I think the first twenty for twenty, I actually talked to you. I think that was the first one, right? When we met down yeah, in yeah, I think you were
1: the very. I, I think you were the very first interviewee for the very first uh, edition. So uh, I didn't know so that. Yes. I, I think that's right. I, I, that was the first time I. In fact, that was the first time I met you uh, as well. So there we go. The, the, it's yeah, a relationship as old as the book.
0: <laughs> I like that. Well, you've released the latest edition and uh, I, I print it like same day, right? And I always want to, I'm always anxious to talk to you, but I'm always anxious to read every single word before I actually sit down to have a conversation with you. And I I, uh, I always appreciate the insightfulness uh, that you put in the work and the effort and the investment you put into these documents. And it seems like it's grown like this, this year's was like 50 pages. <laughs> it's like I had to read it in two settings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it
1: takes uh, it, it, it 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 takes a while to put it together, but it's um I, I mean it's basically there there are three main sections to the book, right? And one one of the sort of quite religious things that I follow with it is that there's a section that's about people's outlook. There's a section that's about that's about what people are doing, and then there's a section that's about okay, that's a bit more opinion forward on what do we think this all. Means, but the, but the two main sections are, are very much about synthesizing these twenty conversations and just just straight reporting just trying to to, to not impart any opinion on it, but just to literally say the what, what what we heard in a in a way that isn't too boring to read. <laughs> that's that's basically the the, the challenge, and um, yeah, it, it ends up being uh, quite a long book, but people people tend to like the fact that there's a lot in it.
0: Yeah, it it really is fantastic. You know, I like the anonymous nature of it. So you never really directly or you don't attribute quotes to anybody. And I really like that um, sort of the mystery in that um, I think it, it lends uh, a degree of authentic, authenticity to it that I think is different than, you know, other magazines or articles or blogs that you read where you're you're getting attribution or giving attribution. But uh, so I thought about a title today and here's my title. Let me let me know what you think about this. Bi to AI to centralization to outsourcing to extinction. What do you think about that?
1: Uh, sorry, so the the, distinct, the extinction part is is kind of distracting. BI to AI to centralization with uh, the first uh, were the first three, and then, and then outsourcing. Well, uh, yeah. So, so a uh, cu- couple of cu- couple of thoughts. You know, we we can get into some of the specific um, findings, but I do see the future of AI, at least when we think about the kinds of AI that are doing operational work, stuff that we traditionally associate with uh, with people doing. Um, I do see the trends of centralization and AI adoption as being like interlinked, like like very much interlinked. There's lots of reasons for that that we can, um, we, we, we can go into. So I get that. Um, I see... BI is, is fascinating this year because you can, you can tell that, that it's the desire to know more stuff about your business that seems to be driving it. And historically, you know, people, people always talked about BI like it was this piece of software that they implemented or, you know, it was this report that we rolled out. But, but it, it, there's much more of a maturity and an appetite for, for kind of insight that drives action. Uh, and uh, the, the the more sophisticated, better resourced companies, you can tell they're starting to experiment with with AI. They're trying to figure out if there's insights to be had from their data in places they, that humans wouldn't wouldn't necessarily think to look. Right. So so you, so so I, I see BI to AI to centralization there outsourcing. There was actually one uh, one of the most interesting uh centralization models was was one company was not not only taking admin off property they were outsourcing admin shared services to a third party so they were going almost cold turkey from we've got assistant property managers who do all this bookkeeping collections blah blah, blah all, all of this kind of stuff to we're pushing all of that out to a third party um, provider so so that that definitely gets the the kind of ballsy ballsiest play <laughs> kind of uh, award uh, for me as of uh, uh out of this year's uh, uh uh this year's responses but i yeah i'm, fa- I'm fascinated to to see what they what they learned from that
0: yeah i i as i was thinking about this as i was reading through the, the document and i was thinking about Sort of the evolution, or whatever you want to call it, of of sort of technology making its way into to the space and how people are utilizing the different technologies. I I guess the thesis I made up in my head was, BI and it becomes sort of this informant of places where you could implement artificial intelligence. Or because I could sit back as a human, right, and I could think about the areas that I think AI would be. Make an impact, or create efficiency, or whatever premise there is. But in my head, the BI, as long as you got good data going in the front side, right, it's probably going to do a better job of identifying those areas where you can make application of AI, and then ultimately where centralization would come into play is sort of creating those those types of efficiencies or streamlining. It's, it's an interesting um, <laughs> it's an interesting perspective because
1: the so so. so you know, we do have that constraint in multifamily that the the, the, the general size of, of data sets tends to be like relatively small. So so much of this, the kind of big data, what, what what you know used to be called big data, but you know the stuff that people are turning AI, loose, you just don't have the dimensions of, of data that are that, that are sort of big enough to, to 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 get the the leverage that you you might you you in, in in scenarios that don't have that. Constraint on them, but if you, if you think about things like what drives renewal, what what drives renewals, like just really broad questions like that, that, that are very sort of multifactorial, where you know if you've got a portfolio of properties, there might be enough observations. that, you know if, if kind of, if you can cast the net broadly enough, like there there might well be be insights into the things that you could do. That, that have a beneficial impact on, on renewals. That, that's one of the, <laughs> it's one of my favorite things that when IT vendors tell you that we're, we're gonna increase renewal rates by, by X percent, it's, it, it's, it's the kind of take that attracts this very natural sort of skepticism from, from property managers. But, you know, maybe that there are actually things that you could, you could figure out statistically if you were, you know, if you were looking in enough places to, to, to find out. And yeah, I guess the, the corollary of that is that, you know, if, if you find through an AI, you can identify new insights like that. Maybe the AI can start to take decisions uh, about, about it and, and actually start doing stuff <laughs> that, um, that, that that drives the outcome that it just identified. So so you, you may you may well be right, but I I, I I I see the most of the work seems to be highly exploratory that, that the people are looking to do in 2023.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting to me. I, I think I know we may talk about AI at some point in this conversation, but it it seems like, or at least my loose understanding of. Open AI right now is the real power of open AI is when and I think they did this recently, they open the API so that you could mix your own data from your company into the data with the broader internet set, right? And so that and there are various tranches of data that you can mix together. And and when you when you're able to do that, then and because BI to me is a data collection, right? It's a place that that brings data together, curates it in a place. So you mix that data together with this broader set of data or these broader tranches of data. And that's where you start to get these insights that in my head, at least start to become subject to, to AI act to your point, making a decision based on that data. And then, and then sort of segueing to centralization, which I think is a jumping off point for a question I have for you, bringing that together into a smaller group of people that actually make you know, take actions and create behaviors out of that is is interesting to me.
1: Yeah, well, I, so, so I increasingly just 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 following the interviews this year, I, I, I see I, I see whatever ends up happening with with centralization across the the industry being very much interlinked with with the adoption pattern for AI. It's it's one of the things that I I noticed. Uh, you know as, as, as I went through through the results you, you can sort of see there's an adoption pattern already with with AI where where people are people are still looking at it like you know, they're, they're sort of acquiring widgets that do that do pieces of, of, of work for them right which is which is sort of the wrong way to look at it right you, uh, you the, the problems inevitably just keep getting smaller and smaller if all you're doing is just taking bits of work off your plate. Um, and instead, you've got this model that has the potential to just add this leverage into uh, into your operating model uh, it 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 occurred to me as I, I was thinking that very few companies uh, have made any meaningful progress on on actually centralizing their leasing models. Like you go to industry conferences, you'd think everyone was doing it and we're, we're all well on the way. In reality, we aren't. Like uh, there's a small number of companies that, uh, that are making progress on it. Their results are being marketed aggressively across the industry and everyone kind of thinks. That... <laughs> but, but when you when you look at who's actually done things like taken agents offsite and put them in a different location and uh, actually done centralization stuff, so it's not, there aren't that many companies that have done that, that have done that yet. Yeah. The, the thing that's common with AI between the companies that have made progress on something like leasing is they, they've, they've kind of viewed the AI as foundational in delivering that service. Right, um, and you're you you're an early uh, adopter of, uh, of AI, like with with Radco. Right, that was um, that was one of the things I remember. We talked. You're the first person I ever talked to about this as an actual user in um, uh, in multifamily, like four five years ago, when it, whenever it was that you were uh, you were doing your pilot. But the the, the, the idea of, of of saying we're going to sort of reinvent leasing so that most of the work. Uh, is going to be done uh, on contact is going to be done by AI. Now, how do we fit people into this model? That's a very different uh, kind of perspective from let's use AI to turn the phones off so that our property leasing staff don't have to answer them anymore. (laughs) Do do, 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 do you see what I mean? uh, 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 I, I, I think the people that have made the progress on changing their actual model put AI at the center of how the new model was going to work. And it, it seems to work really well.
0: Yeah. And it, it, does, this, does this tie into the, you used, I think it was, is it Mark Andreessen or, uh, this guy's from Salesforce, right? You quote him in this paper. He thinks, he asks a question that leads to. Yeah. Well, yeah. So he was saying the question that people are not
1: asking is, what do people do? But that's the that's the thing that he said. He was, just, he was talking about stuff like yeah. You know, he used the example of uh, you know AI can already generate better art than all but a really small number of people on Earth, right? And and so so is is art as we currently think of it ultimately as 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 good as productive a, a, a creative outlet for people as we historically have have thought thought that it was right so he, he was asking sort of big picture question like that but 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 again asking the question what do people do rather than which of my tasks can i get ai to do is a much better way around to think of it
0: yeah it, it, i thought that was so yeah to your point about adopting and implementing a technology just to take care of a one-off problem and then doing that 25 times has not really potentially leveraged, not at least not fully, the power. I think another point you make in, in this document is AI is better at mass than it is, right? Yeah. And It is solving these little bitty problems. It can solve these little bitty problems, but it's better at mass.
1: Yeah, well, if, again, if you, if, you, if you think about Going, going back to that example of people who've changed their leasing models where I would characterize AI as foundational in the way that their model their whole model now works those companies now have leverage in their in their model right so th- there's no change if, if, if AI is just answering the phones for people and you still have a leasing agent in each property you haven't changed you know, you, you've, you've added a capability which may add value you've added a cost. But you haven't really changed anything. Like the, the relationship between how many properties or how many units I manage and how many staff I have to employ remains linear, right? Uh, but the companies that have made AI foundational is no longer linear, right? I can I can grow the number of properties that I own, and I don't have to necessarily add a, 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 as much resource each time I take over a new property or, 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 or new properties. And, and, and that, th- there's a couple of reasons why I think that's really important. One is the processes will work better, right? I, I, I just think it's just, it's, it's a better relationship between robots and, and people that those companies have found. The other thing though is that the, the AI itself is really valuable, right? Because again, that thing I was saying where the problems get smaller and smaller if all you're doing is taking work off a human's uh, place. If the AI is adding leverage into your model and improving the way you deliver service, that's a really, 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 really valuable thing, and people will naturally pay more money for it. As the problems get smaller and smaller, it gets harder and harder to see how how you, you you maintain an ecosystem of vendors when they're all they're all just doing little bits and pieces when when they could be actually transforming the way that you deliver important functions that cost you a lot of
0: money. Yeah, that that's right. So so is this an it seems like an interesting segue. I, I interviewed uh, Jindu Lee from, from Happy Co. recently. And and obviously Jindu is in the... Well, I actually think he's trying to take over the world, but he's sort of started out with these Happy Co. inspections. So I sort of sometimes associate it with just maintenance and this particular jumping off point for me. Uh, they're layering Something over the top of technology that is super interesting, and I think you listened to the episode. I'm interested in your sort of take on that.
1: Yeah, no, I love that. I love that episode, and I love chatting with Juno as well. Just, just one of the one of the really good guys in the uh, in the industry. Um, but the thing, we, we, I, I was actually chatting with him about this the other uh, the other day. We were, um, you know, we, we were talking about the, the way that they've introduced a, a service layer that, that that ultimately provides different options for how you can organize maintenance and the thing that that, that was just fascinating to me about it was it's very very consistent with the kind with the ways that people are making progress um in, in centralizing maintenance M- maintenance is very much the uh the, the the sort of lowest priority maybe lowest priority is the wrong way to look at it it's it's the the thing that people are are, are, are the least motivated to work on right now partly partly just because it's it's hard uh, right maintenance is harder to centralize maintenance than it is to, to to centralize leasing it's harder to centralize leasing than it is to centralize admin. But, but also there are these natural sources of inertia that stop people wanting to change the way that, um, uh, the way that uh, maintenance is delivered. And the, the, the thing I mentioned in the book is that the, the few companies that are, that are making progress on changing their model are basically doing something that's way more like the way that it works in single family, wow. right? So a single family, you have no on-premise uh, component to the, to the delivery of maintenance. What that means is that every time uh, you get a work order, somebody has to make a decision about, right, who's doing this work and when is it going to get scheduled and how much is it going to cost? There's usually a direct cost associated with it. So you've got these very natural incentives to figure out efficient ways to to do stuff. Like if there's a way that even things like orientating your delivery towards towards proactive rather than reactive maintenance like there you because there's direct costs associated with it there are natural incentives to do that in single family if you think about multi-family you don't really have to make any of those decisions when a work order comes in there's there's a, a number of texts in a um, uh, in a property that constitutes what you call a lump of labor right and and that just gets consumed as uh, as work orders come in and, and it's almost like well you know, I fix broken stuff, or I, I stop stuff from breaking. It's it's all the same. Doesn't cost me any different. So, you you don't have the natural incentives that they do in single family to to, to make your model more efficient. And I, I see, but but the people, the, the most interesting model I see uh, property management companies doing is when they sort of change the reporting line so that you no longer have. Uh, maintenance techs reporting to property managers, you have them report into like a regional head, which means you're now much more like managing a pool of, of resources, which means I've now got options to sort of specialize the way that we do stuff. It, it, there's a benefit to building a picture of, okay, well, what's the kind of work that we do? What are What are the most efficient ways of organizing to get that kind of work done? And the companies that seem to be making progress in this are sort of taking these baby steps. They start by changing the way that they manage it, and then they're taking these baby steps of of getting more specialised, getting more efficient, having like a bit more variety of, uh, of of roles that they that they do. And when I when I think about the majority of the vast majority of the people I spoke to who are not actively working on uh, working on this right now, I, I I sort of see a lot of property managers kind of. Kind of looking for a viable step to take, like what you know, what could I do that would make progress on this without like breaking anything? And the thing that I like about about what what uh, what Jindo and, and and his team are doing is that they they seem to be offering quite a nice step into um, you know let's let's deal with the the sort of coordination and dispatch thing. Let's put a service layer onto it and. You know, that way we, we've got some control over what's happening with the work orders is this work order urgent or isn't it is it you know you, you're starting to do some sort of triage you can offer a service element to, to residents many of whom quite like the idea of of, of troubleshooting a problem on the phone rather than waiting for a maintenance deck to come and yeah you, you, you can see a path towards a model that just works more centrally works more like a single family model that i I think would ultimately improve the way that it's done in um uh, in multifamily
0: yeah it's it's it backs me up so I, I want to back up and ask you a question related to everything that you just said i think and and i how would you define centralization because I think right now there are a couple of different definitions of centralization or centralization means a couple of different things to people out in the marketplace. And I'm just interested in, in knowing how you think about that word centralization.
1: Yeah. So I think the working definition that I really used in the, in the book is, is like a change in, in processes, uh, and roles where roles traditionally performed at property get moved somewhere else to, to where they can be done more efficiently. So, you know, rolling out the tech elements and not changing your, your property staffing model, not centralization, right? That's, but people call it that, right? So, so, you know, I, what, I said, um, I think the first conclusion I drew is that centralization is, it, 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 it's not really the right word for what, um, what's actually going on in the industry. And it seems to be shorthand for a lot, a lot of different things that most of which don't actually involve centralizing anything. So yeah, it's a very, very broad, catch-all term that describes uh, a, a, a lot of sort of processy stuff that's to do with with privacy management.
0: Yeah, I think I think way back. So let's say this was—I don't want to age myself too much—but let's say it was like 15. No, it was probably yeah, it was probably like. 16, 17 years ago. So equity residential. I worked for equity residential at the time. And at that time, they started to, what I would call, based on your first definition, the work physically leaves one space and is physically sitting in a different space. Mm -hmm. They started to centralize the assistant manager's role at the time. The ins, the outs, the renewal activity, et cetera, et cetera. They were doing that like 15, 16, 17 years ago. And they removed the assistant manager out of the equation and one uh, assistant manager started to do the work of like five assistant managers, because now they're sitting in an environment where they are not distracted by the phone or residents coming in or doing things of that nature. They were doing routine work and they started that effort a long, long time ago. And so fast forward to today where others, I mean, we, we started doing centralization in the same way under the same thesis, likely because I worked at equity and I saw that it worked. <laughs> it, it, It versus what I think to your second sort of definition of that, which is not really a definition of centralization to your point. It it really is like streamlining or it's six sigma or it's lean thinking, right? It's that, that is a whole different sort of discipline that people are doing, but calling it centralization. And I think, I think the hard part about maintenance is that they're thinking about it that way. How do we make this more efficient and streamline? Not how do you, to your point about single family homes, how do you take those people and put them in a physical location and then do labor distribution based on your pointy skill set, right? I'm an HVAC guy, I'm an electrician, I'm a this, I'm a that, right? And then doing your labor distribution based on those skill sets. Thank you for helping, <laughs> validating what I have in my head because I've been confused as of late. <laughs> it's, a,
1: it, it, it's fascinating though. The, the, the property admin and the, the assistant property manager role at the, and the the decentralization thereof um, it's it's a model that work that's worked for like a really long time in the reads. I, I, I'm not entirely sure why it didn't sort of catch on, like why people didn't copy it. Because cause what, what what you see when you look at the results, so, so first of all, it's it's obviously the area where 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 the most progress is being made it's in actually centralizing stuff. Like nearly half of people were were at some stage of. They'd either taken those roles off, or were in the process of taking those roles um, off, property. So it's it's much much more prevalent that people are doing that. Although you never hear about it, right? It's not the thing that people mostly talk about. It's leasing, leasing, leasing. When you when you uh, when, when you listen to when you go to the conferences and uh, and stuff, I, I, I've got this suspicion now. I, I mean, it's a very small sample size because so few people are actually centralizing leasing operations just yet. But I've, I've got this theory that if if, if I were running a a property management company and i really wanted to uh, to centralize leasing the first thing i think i would do is centralize admin functions because it just looks like a it, it just looks like a really natural fit like there's lots of templates for how it uh, for how it works really well um, i i suspect once you start thinking about it to any extent at all you sort of realize well it was it was never that good of an idea to have those things go on a property in the first place <laughs> okay, so, uh, and and admin lends itself generally to to um, shared service environments. So yeah, I mean, it 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 just seems like uh, it's su- such a good uh, such a good fit that if you figure out how to centralize that first, yeah. You know, Whatever the other thing, what everyone tells you who's who's actually done like the leasing centralization, they tell you the technology part is is easy. The hard part is all about. Moving people's G's, you know, just redefining roles, just just figuring out how the people side of it is going to work, how, how the handoffs between, for example, AI and people work. but like that, that by far is the hardest part of uh, of losing, not the bit where you roll out the the technology. So, so yeah, g- g- given that you you get direct experience of, of making these changes to to traditional property roles by doing admin that's easier, I I think. I would definitely want to do that first, and, and then put um, uh, you yeah, put put leasing next in line, which I think is what several of the the companies that I spoke to uh, uh, are doing.
0: I'm interested where if if accounting falls into an administrative function, I've, I've had it in my head as of late, and this was validated by somebody that I I, uh, I think it was two weeks ago. I was sitting on a council, and I heard somebody say this, and I thought, oh my goodness, I've been thinking about that. Anyway, you. Think about this. And I'm gonna make a blanket statement, so it's it's not really intended to be blanket, but traditionally property managers have not been great at the financial piece of our business, right? The the PL statement, the balance sheet, and things of that nature, variance reports. I can tell you the thing that I hit my head against the wall with every single month is reading variance notes that <laughs> are like that did just blow my mind. But the point being that Accounting to me, too, and I know P&Ls and things of that nature, there's accounting, this is different name, but I think that particular function of our business could go away, that you don't require a property manager to, I mean, you could argue they need to be in tune with your property financially, but do they? If you have other people who are the subject matter experts in that and doing that, and you leave your property manager to do the real sort of people-oriented, touchy-feely, relationship-oriented type work anybody mm-hmm. out there working on that kind of thing
1: yeah well so, so people so, so uh, uh, again that, that idea that we've been promoting leasing agents into roles that were predominantly about bookkeeping is 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 quite suboptimal like i, I think it if it wasn't obvious already it, it really gets exposed uh, when people start to, to to actually change the um change the roles like people who there's people who are good at accounting. Like, like let them focus on the accounting. And uh, if, in fact, the the company that was that was completely outsourcing admin to shared services. That, the, the interesting thing about them was that they they wanted everybody who works at property to explicitly be focused on sales. They, they just wanted all property roles to be sales focused, and that means they wanted all of the other stuff out and, and yeah. into a place where it, where it, where it could be done better. The other thing is like. Uh, so, so one of the questions I asked the people who I uh, interviewees who I knew had been um, uh, had been running centralized models for admin for a while. Question I asked them was, "What's left to do?" Right? Because you know you've taken accounting off. You 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 got maybe collections. You have got other stuff you've taken off site, and they're like, "Oh, there's there's plenty there's plenty more to do." And they start to talk about you know. Things like things like renewals, for example, whether you see that as a leasing or, or as a or as an admin function, or or a, or a service delivery function that, that, that where you can expand the scope of what you think of as admin to, to sort of include that, but but they just see more and more aspects of of, of what we do at property that that could be handled better by an expert team, um, a, a technology enabled um, expert team. I, I, I think. Yeah, you know, something like collections is is interesting because you, you know you have people that's another good example of a widget that people are rolling out like people are, are doing collections ai because again i i i don't imagine anybody would would regret losing the collections part of the the <laughs> who wants to call people to get them to pay rent right but the uh but 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 I think the, the the way that people are approaching that as a sort of widget that takes this this job off my my hands is is limited. But I do think the idea that in a central a shared service for admin where we design a collections process where ninety percent of the work, which is about calling people, prompting them, you know, just just figuring out what reaction you got, figuring out what step to take next, like. Uh, all of, all of that stuff can mostly be handled by uh, by AI. Again, you, you 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 redesign the shared service on a on a foundation of AI, and you put the people into into the sort of appropriate supervisory, escalatory kind of role uh, in that. Again, that's great because you've now. That, I I bet you get better outcomes that way because if if you're relying on people to, to reliably do a job that sucks. Mm. <laughs> You can can be pretty well guaranteed that you're going to get an improvement in outcomes when you get a robot on the case instead, I think.
0: I I believe that to be true. It takes me back as as you're sort of nearing that. It takes me back to one of the driving principles. Again, I'm referring to equity residential. And this was probably not their novel. thought it was was probably something like Bain or, or other consultings, but management by exception, right. And if, and I think to your point, AI handles 90% of the work thereby creating the exceptions that you can't do, but the human can do and should do. And I think to your other implied point there is you're doing it with fewer the fewer people are doing that 10% of the work. And at least in my head, it's easier to lead and manage you know, like five people instead of 50 people. <laughs> and yeah. it, keep, it, keeps, it keeps everything tighter. Yeah, cause, cause it's,
1: and, it's, and it's 50 people that turn over frequently as well, right? So you've got to accomplish consistency by constantly focusing on the training lever. But, you know, there's a hole in the bucket, right? Because people people just keep, uh, keep leaving. But if, you, if you've got a core team that can be focused on being really good you know, answering the question—what uh, Mark Andreessen's question, right? What do people do? Like, l- l- let's focus them on the thing that they'll do really well. That—that's—that's that's a much more makeable play than trying to get fifty different individuals who might only be with you for a year to be consistent in doing this process that they don't like doing. <laughs> yeah. <That's
0: laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah, and I, I, I think you're. I think one of the things I go back to my. She's at, at Mills Properties in St. Louis. And I, I remember having a sort of a debate with one of our, she was our lead accountant. I can't remember her title, it doesn't matter. She, she kept saying to me, I kept arguing that, you know, somebody that's doing one sort of routine piece of the work is gonna get bored and sick and tired of it. And she her retort to me, was, no way. They, that person loves doing this thing. They love doing it in, in isolation in some cases. And they're much more productive and they're much more fulfilled because they're in that sort of, you know, thriving zone for themselves. And lo and behold, we hire somebody, They start working in our office, they wear a stocking cap and headphones all day long. And, you know, and I, every time I would talk to the person, it was like simple yes and no questions, but they were like the the most happy, fulfilled, personally, and this proved out her, her point. And I think. You can find you could probably find five of those people easier than you can find these fifty people that that turn over a lot. Right, makes recruiting a lot easier, I think.
1: Definitely, definitely. Yeah, and it's uh, and and uh, although I, you know, when I when I think about maintenance, I think of it. it, It's very clearly a much less technology. The solution is far less to do with technology and far more to do with. With organisation and, and and process uh, and, and 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 people, but you know what you know what I was thinking of when when uh, when uh, when we were when you were talking with uh, with Jindo the other day. Do you remember when we did that workshop in uh, in Atlanta a few years ago where we, we actually we we were doing a case study, weren't we, on on mobile maintenance, just just on how it works at properly, and we brought in, it was the end of a day of workshops, we brought in a couple of maintenance techs from from a couple of your properties in Atlanta. And we, we served wine for the executive team and we just did this Q&A to, to ask them about, to, to, to just ask them about what it was like using the mobile maintenance tool that had been rolled out. And just the, the sort of night and day difference between what everybody expected or what everyone intended when they did this project and the reality when it's told to you by the people doing the actual process you remember how big of a gap it was between <laughs> between the two <clears throat>
0: uh, yeah it, it's amazing what we can sit around in a corporate office and dream up and <laughs> create for, for ourselves and then i remember the same thing to when we rolled lisa out the, the ai leasing consult back way before they went to appfolio with the I remember sitting with Elliot in our boardroom and he brought Lisa up and it was a bunch of code, right? Like on a screen. And I didn't think to ask the question, like, how does that work on the front side? What is the user experience out in the field? And I remember traveling around after the fact, doing a sort of a road show to sell everybody on the idea of Lisa. And I had, I took the time to have a leasing consultant show me what, what Lisa was. And, and really it was just like, it was my outlook inbox with an email from somebody called lisa and i don't know why in my head i had this whole different picture of what what that actually was but then i took the time to learn learn about or what i discovered was it wasn't as efficient in some cases as i thought it was especially where it was handing off from the tech to the person right and those sorts of things but in my head, it was like the most beautiful, perfect system on the planet earth. And it was going to solve all of our problems. I even, I think I even said to you for the first time ever, LRO is going to be optimized on the traffic side. And that was long before I learned that Yardy and other technologies don't play well together. No offense, Yardy.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so, so I mean, what do you, I, I mean, given that you've you've just got a longer experience with uh with with having ai do operational stuff than 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 most people do like what's what what's changed about the way you see the technology and what and what if anything like excites you about it
0: now you know i've had this utopian thought that at some point we would be able, so Bill Gates had this vision to put computers on every desk because he wanted his operating system on it. And he wanted it to rule the world. And, and I, I'm on a mission to take all of those devices out of the equation, completely off the desk. And it doesn't mean we don't have screens in our office that might be there for demonstration purposes and things of that nature. But I think what I'm most excited about is getting that rote and routine work and those things that, that cause boredom and distraction, and I think distraction is the right word, out of the hands of people who don't like to do it and, some, and in some cases are not very good at it. And it leaves this space where they can actually look people in the eye and they're not distracted by, oh wait a minute, I've got to stop and type that into the system or I've got I've to look that up before I can answer your question. It, it leaves room for getting back to what i think is the foundation for really good business and that is relationship right yeah. and, and i think we're at a point where I, i'm really excited about the next 24 months plus minus and that's me licking my finger and waving it in the air but but i think that somebody out there or a combination of people are going to find the right recipe for creating making that vision finally come true and it's going to be a combination of the bi informant the automation of the work the centralization based on that automation and then i think outsourcing uh work uh, is a is a key component to this too and then I, I think ultimately you're going to get to that point where you can just you can come to work and you know, hang out with your friends and most of what happens It's <laughs> I
1: can't remember whether you you and I talked about this before, but I I guess around the time that OpenAI came out, I, I you know I just immediately just start thinking about okay, well, what really radical stuff is 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 going to change as a uh, as a result of this? Like I, I started seeing, you know, when people were talking about some of the applications of it to to marketing, like B two B marketing, you, you'd read about people saying, well, this is great because now you know, a copywriter who's writing, who, who, who's going to write, you know, a, a, an article about like SWOT analysis or something. Instead of having to like research it, they can now get OpenAI to to, to essentially synthesize all the best stuff on the internet, and it'll suddenly become really quick to to, to write it. And you, you know the. the the digital assistant is is obviously gonna write the the content really quickly. And so so it's gonna be this massive increase in efficiency. And I'm listening to that and I'm thinking why, what's the point in those articles now? Like just the whole enterprise of, I'm gonna write an article about this thing for the benefit of SEO so that people will come to my site to learn stuff about this. Like if the source of your content is other people's content I, I don't get why it's going to be worth doing those jobs, right? Because if I can just ask ChatGPT find the best, the most highly rated book on SWOT analysis, and write me a one thousand word pricey with examples from the real estate industry, like what? Why would I bother going to somebody else's article on the on the internet? It's it's the it's you know that you know draw Pollock, like the um the writer, but he he he's really good. He's a really good follow for for multifamily and for like future of work and that that kind of stuff. He, he's always talking about the winner takes most um, uh, economy, and, and when I think about it, I, I was actually talking to an editor about this in in the week. Like, I, I feel like all the incentives lean towards you, you you have to want to be the ultimate source that the you know that the AI is is drawing from. Do you know what I mean? Being really good at original uh, original stuff being the thing that people want to find their way to, right? The, the, it seems to me the incentives for that are, are far greater and the derivative products that accounts for like much of what we do in marketing right now, I just, I, I don't see how they don't become irrelevant, right? Because, because everything can be made to order like instantly, right? So, so yeah, much of business b2 b SEO just just becomes a waste of time because n- nobody, nobody needs Google to find articles that, that won't be as good as the thing that I can instantly get written by so 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 yeah I, th- I think about stuff like that it's it's really shortening the distance between two points in terms of uh, you know get, getting to good ideas that, that that's probably the thing that enthuses me the most about it.
0: You, you know I know I know we're running up against a time constraint. And, and I could open a whole can of worms here because I I think to your point, think about this in the future, probably not too far away. If I'm looking for an apartment and I'm using an AI co-pilot to do that, that, that AI co-pilot still has to go out and find this data, right? And so if I say I'm looking for an apartment in Reynolds town and because the AI knows me, it knows that I like a south facing apartment, it knows lots of things, right? And it's going to go out and it's going to find the one, right? Or the three. And to your point about building the content that yields the result to the AI co-pilot, right? I I want but to yeah, do well, yeah, that. It's,
1: it's, so again, if you if you think how that relates to the to the thing that I was just describing in the B2B world, I think in multifamily, I mean, multifamily is already well on the way to this anyway, but I, I've been talking to a lot of people about websites lately. And you can tell that <laughs> basically having immersive beautiful very specific content that puts people in the apartment like that that that's the thing that people aspire to anyway but you you think if if you're the source of that information i mean presumably open ai is going to be able to say you know an apartment that are like that's available now. That's within this price range. That has like white countertops, not not gray ones. I, I don't know. Like, like every, everything that you could you, you could see is going to be potentially uh you know d- d- just just targeted by by this very very powerful
0: AI. It, that's right. But and you're gonna but you're gonna want to be the yield, right? You're gonna be you're gonna want to be one of those results, right? Yes. And I, yes. I guess what I what I can't my head around yet is you you still have to do something to present as one of these three options or one option or two whatever there's still some value on the back side of that to create Mm -hmm. you as an option right
1: yeah i I guess it's like the, the um it becomes less about you know much of marketing is about laying the sort of breadcrumbs to the thing that you're trying to get you know get uh, get, get people to to look out the, the breadcrumbs are are, are going to become less and less relevant it's the, it's the thing that you're you're trying to lead people to that, that because, you know because there's so much processing power it's going to be bringing people to like the best content that fits what they're looking for that again all the rewards seem to be for like i want the absolute best most detailed most immersive most beautiful like lifelike experience that um that that uh yeah that the the increasingly people are going to find easier and easier to find
0: yeah yeah i i think that's right So double down on everything. (laughs) (laughs) Get your AI co-pilot to double down on everything. (laughs) Hey, Dom, I I know you got a a hard stop. It it is absolutely always a pleasure to speak with you. And I I do mean it when I say I appreciate the time and the effort and the investment you put into authoring these these, uh, books. They're fantastic. and, And I look forward to reading every time. But thank you for your time today. Thank
1: you for you. It's always great to to speak and uh, have a great weekend.
0: You too, sir. For everyone else, we'll see you next time on Collective Conversations.